If you have BPD, you might often experience a fragmented and unstable sense of self, leading to confusion and emptiness and an ever-changing self-image. And this instability can cause frequent shifts in your values, in your opinions, and even your perception of yourself. You might find that you adopt different identities or personas in order to be liked or to avoid abandonment. And this makes it really tough to establish an authentic and stable sense of self. As I unpack and strengthen my sense of self, I find that I have uncovered a lot of things I was suppressing or minimizing in order to avoid abandonment. And a big one was my queerness. I want to talk to you today about what it means to solidify your sense of self and strengthen your identity. What does it actually feel like to do that? What does it mean to know yourself? And if you identify as queer, generally speaking, do you ever wonder about the validity of that part of you because of the way you experience identity disturbance? Even worse, have you ever had your queer identity invalidated because of your condition? This episode is especially for you. Let's dive into it. Quiet, not silent. We create a perfect world in our heads. When someone experiences identity disturbance, it refers to a psychological condition characterized by a significant and persistent disruption in a person's sense of self. It is often associated with personality disorders, particularly BPD. Identity disturbance can manifest in a lot of different ways, but typically it involves feelings of confusion and uncertainty and instability around things like your self-image and your values and your goals. Identity disturbance is not limited to personality disorders, though. It can at times also be experienced by people going through significant life transitions or trauma or even just periods of major self-reflection. And in those cases, it might just be a temporary state rather than a chronic thing. People experiencing identity disturbance chronically struggle to establish a consistent and coherent sense of who they are, resulting in frequent shifts in the way they perceive themselves and what their values and beliefs are. They often have trouble understanding their own desires and preferences and goals, like I said, and this can lead to a lot of emptiness and this feeling coming up of like a lot of not knowing who they truly are and where they fit in where their place is in the world. And this can often cause a spiral into very painful feelings of loneliness and isolation. If you experience identity disturbance, you might also have a tendency to adopt different identities or personas in different social contexts because of how hard it can be to maintain a consistent sense of self. 
Like, you might find yourself mirroring someone entirely and going along with everything and anything someone else is doing because you don't seem to have a preference. I used to do this a lot, trying to mimic people in my social groups in order to fit in, because not only did I not understand who I was as an individual, I was scared of not fitting in. I didn't want to spiral into that lonely feeling of where my place in the world was. I felt often as if I did not fit in anywhere, so I would do what I could to change nearly everything about myself and copy what people close to me were doing so I could fit in. It wasn't the same as a normal, like, following social etiquette in different places or switching hats based on what social situation you were in, right? You know, I, I have a number of different hats. I have manager Avery, I have co-worker Avery, I have friend Avery, I have sister Avery, right? So it's not really about switching hats. I was fully mirroring people and adjusting the way I talked, the way I dressed, my demeanor, and my opinions on things that I wouldn't have given a shit about otherwise. Identity disturbance can also cause someone to have difficulties with long-term commitments or planning for the future. You might not be confident in what you'd want in the future because of how incoherent your inner self is, how rapidly shifting it might be, or how unsure you are of what you want from life in the present, let alone the future. Now, what is identity? Like, what does it mean to have a stable sense of self? What can this look like? Personally, I've always found it really hard to understand, let alone define, what it means to have a stable sense of self. Because this is not a tangible thing we're dealing with. This is a highly abstract concept. And I'm a vocabulary nerd, which doesn't help. So when the same words over and over again are being used to describe a healthy inner self, I don't know, I just, I have trouble with it. Like, what do you mean stable? Stable like a house in that it won't fall apart? But I've fallen apart and rebuilt myself so many times. I don't know what you mean by stable. I don't know. What do you mean consistent? Consistent like doing the same thing every day and this never changing? But I don't do the same thing every day and I am ever changing. I am changing and evolving and even dispersing myself the way a cloud does throughout a skyscape. What do you mean consistent? And what do you mean coherent? Like being able to hear something loud and clear? There's no voice telling me who I really am. There's no inner voice telling me whether or not something is for me. I hear nothing. Or coherent like harmonious. I have BPD. What the fuck does it mean to have inner harmony? I have inner chaos. So what do you mean coherent? It was very hard for me for a long time to understand what it meant to have a stable, consistent, coherent sense of self. I kept imagining what that looks like. And every time I tried, I just ended up changing myself to be someone else that I, I thought that I should be for everyone else over and over again. 
All I know when it comes to abstract concepts like this is how something feels. So maybe the question isn't, what does having a stable sense of self look like? Maybe the real question is, how does it feel to have a stable inner self? How does it feel? I know how to feel things. I know how to feel things very deeply. I can do that. So then, what does it feel like? A sense of self involves having a clear understanding of who you are as an individual, including your values and your interests and your strengths and your weaknesses. And there's a sense of self-awareness and self-acceptance. Acceptance is a big one. Recognizing your unique qualities and feeling comfortable with them. Feeling comfortable. Feeling like, yeah, this feels good. It doesn't have to be deeper than that. It just feels good. This sense of contentment. This sense of, yeah, I'm feeling this. I'm here for it. For example, like, I like that I am creative and artistic. And I accept that I'm not athletic. I really don't like to play sports. I don't try to force myself to be athletic. I've noticed throughout my life that no matter how many times I try, I cannot feel comfortable in gyms or playing sports. However, I love to be surrounded by nature. And I like to get exercise through nature and being outside. That feels good for me. That feels good. And it doesn't have to be deeper than that. It just feels good. I don't know. Like, if someone asked me to elaborate, like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, bro. Like, it just feels good. Sometimes, like, there are moments of that I have where I'm just like, wow, this is a spiritual moment that I'm, like, finding myself. And then other times it's like, mm, finding yourself doesn't actually have to be that deep. It just needs to feel good. That's it. Another thing it involves is your core values in your beliefs. A stable sense of self is often rooted in a set of core values and beliefs that guide your thoughts, actions, and decision making. And big emphasis on guide. Like it's not controlling, right? But it's these things provide a framework for the way you interact with the world and determine your priorities. And determining your priorities is a big one. This is why it's important to take some time to maybe sit down and figure out your core values and beliefs. Like, just really take some time and not have fleeting moments of just, like, casual self-reflection. But, like, really, really dive into it if you can. Because when you determine your priorities, it gives you a better sense of direction. That really helped me solidify my sense of self is really taking the time and you're not gonna have it all figured out in like an hour you know so don't it's not about like okay I'm gonna book time with myself and teams and just like <laughs> figure out my core values and beliefs and then I will never think about them again boom like it's it's not like that I don't mean it like that but it's it's you know it took me a couple of years honestly of really doing some self-reflection and and uh, making mistakes and reflecting on those mistakes to figure out like, okay, no, that's that mistake I made, that's not the person I want to be. That's not what I want to reflect into the world. That's not what I want to put out there. 
And honestly, if you don't know what you do want to be, just figure out what you don't want to be. I also did that. I'm like, that's not, I don't want this. That's not who I am. And I don't want that. And that's okay. Part of knowing yourself is knowing what you are not. And that's fine. I am not athletic. And I'm not going to force myself to be. And it's okay that other people are. But I, I won't force myself or pretend to be athletic just to fit in with people who are athletic, no matter how much I want to. I just accept that I'm not. Let's talk about consistency. A stable sense of self implies a degree of consistency in how you perceive yourself and how you behave in different situations and over time. Well, adapting to things and growing and growing out of things is completely natural. There's a recognizable core identity that persists even as you navigate different roles or, or different contexts, right? There are things that can change in my life, like there are circumstances that can change in my life, but things about me that won't change are things like my creativity and the fact that I'm artistic. Those will not change. Those will always be a part of me. No matter where I live, no matter who is in my life, no matter how old I am, that those things will not affect the fact that I am artistic and I need to create. That is what consistency is when it comes to things about your sense of self. Not just qualities that you have, but beliefs that you have and values. So for me, I value integrity. Um, that is a big core value of mine is having and acting with integrity and being authentic. And that's another thing that will not change about me. It doesn't matter where I live doesn't matter how old I am, it doesn't matter who's in my life, it doesn't matter how much money I make, it doesn't matter what my job is, I will always value people who are authentic instead of fake. I will always value when people act with integrity and are honest with themselves. It's like personal rules. When I think about doing something, asking myself, is this acting with integrity? Like, is this, is this authentic? Does this reflect the person that I want to be? Does this put a good example of myself out in the world? And speaking of being authentic, autonomy and authenticity are also big things that comes with a stable sense of self. Feeling in control of your choices and your actions. Having your behaviors align with your true self. Acting in ways that are consistent with your personal values rather than being overly influenced by external factors or seeking validation constantly from others. When you are seeking constant validation from others, the choices and the actions that you make in retrospect don't feel like they are your own. You didn't make those yourself. Like, technically, yes, you did, but you made them with this intention of seeking validation instead of just because they were your choices, just because they were something that you wanted to do, 
because they those choices and actions reflect who you are and other people's validation and opinion don't matter. They don't affect or change anything. That's having autonomy and authenticity about your inner self. One misconception I had was confusing stable with static. Your sense of self is not a static state. And it definitely evolves and it develops over time, right? Like, people are supposed to change. You need to grow, you need to learn, you need to adapt. And you can do that while still having this fundamental sense of identity and coherence. It is like being a little seed and growing into a big, tall sunflower. I'm growing sunflowers right now, and this is, uh, I like, I, I really believe this. Like, you start off as a little seed, and you grow over time, and it's still a sunflower. No matter how much it's grown, what stage it's in, in its growth, the ways it's going to adapt, maybe there's, like, a rock it has to grow around first. Like, it's, it's not going to change the fact that it's a sunflower. And you are the same. You start off as a little seed and you grow and you have grown. You've probably had to grow around a lot of fucked up rocks <laughs> and adapt. And you've grown really tall and you your leaves have spread out. You know, eventually you get to a, a point where like you, you bloom and and uh, you present a beautiful version of yourself to the world that you are proud of. And it doesn't matter where you are growing, where you were planted or, or anything. It doesn't matter how many times it's rained, how many times the sun has come out, anything like that. It, it's not going to change the fact that you are a sunflower or any plant, really. If you're an orchid, it, none of that's going to change the fact that you're an orchid. So, so there is a fundamental sense of identity despite all of the growth and the learning and the adapting that you're doing. And that is okay. What isn't an identity disturbance problem? Like, what experiences don't need to be pathologized? There are a lot of misconceptions or, like, misunderstandings that can lead people to assume an experience is caused by an issue with identity disturbance. I see it a lot on social media, unfortunately. There's, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Here's just, like, some stuff that I see that definitely these things don't need to be pathologized. They might be one drop in the bucket and the whole bucket is identity disturbance, but, like, by themselves it this is not you know these these things they're not bpd things or whatever changing interests and hobbies people naturally evolve and they develop new interests throughout their lives and it's normal for people to explore different activities or passions as part of this like personal growth and self-discovery journey but because just because someone's interests change over time doesn't necessarily indicate identity disturbance. It's a concern probably when the changes are excessively frequent or drastic, coupled with other signs of instability and confusion around someone's identity. But like, changing interests and hobbies, like, 
or even things like I can't figure out on like a style, like a, a sense of personal style, like that alone with no other sign of identity disturbance, not a BPD thing. This kind of stuff, like alone, isolated, this doesn't need to be pathologized. Mood fluctuations, fluctuations in your mood, that's a common human experience and your mood can be influenced by a lot of different factors like stress, your environment, biology, and people with identity disturbance, yes, they might experience intense and rapidly shifting emotions, but you need to consider other symptoms and patterns of behavior as well before just assuming that mood fluctuations alone are identity disturbance. Another thing could be like questioning your beliefs and values. Reflecting on your beliefs and your values and questioning things about yourself, this is a natural and healthy part of personal growth. And just because you're not, you're just kind of like questioning, it doesn't necessarily indicate identity disturbance. Like a lot of people go through periods of self-exploration and like re-evaluating right? Reevaluating is a big one. You're allowed to, in various points in your life, reevaluate things about yourself, like what you want, the direction you're going, what you believe in. Shit happens. Like, many people go through periods of self-exploration and reevaluation. This happens particularly during significant life transitions or experiences that prompt a lot of introspection and that is okay that does not need to be pathologized things like if you're going through a divorce if someone very close to you has passed away and you're in a very deep period of grief if you experienced some very intense trauma or some aspect of your life has been uprooted that you're in a significant life transition and that with that is going to naturally come some self-exploration and reevaluating the direction that you want to take in life and what you want like how you want to be spending the rest of your life this is normal that's not identity disturbance alone another thing i mentioned before is like the hat switching social adaptation is not mirroring let me explain like adapting your behavior and adopting different roles in various social contexts is just like a common social skill. It's, it's super normal for people to often adjust their demeanor and their language and their behavior depending on the situation they're in. So for example, like there is just the common saying, like there is a time and place for everything. If you're a funny person, um, there are times where you should probably not be funny. You should just put that, just hang that hat up um, and save it for another, like, if you're at, like, a party or something. So, this being flexible in social situations is not indicative of identity disturbance. Like, unless it's accompanied by an, an inability to maintain your consistent sense of self, or it's causing a lot of, like, significant distress related to your identity, doesn't need to be pathologized. This is a normal thing to do. If I'm wearing my manager hat and I am manager Avery, I'm probably going to 
still use some humor because I like to be funny, but I'm also probably going to be a little bit more firm in the way I'm talking to people if they're if I have to do like some reinforcing of behavior for people that I have to manage, right? Might also have to do some conflict resolution and have to put on that hat, right? And con I'm not going to wear conflict resolution Avery hat if I'm at like a chill party, right? I'm not going to treat people at a party the way I as if I'm managing them, right? So there, and this is normal. So it's, it doesn't mean like, oh my god, like I'm like a social chameleon. It's, no, this doesn't need to be pathologized. And finally, like gender and sexual identity. Gender identity refers to a person's deeply held sense of their own gender, whether they identify as man, woman, non-binary, another gender identity, right? Sexual identity refers to a person's sexual orientation, such as being attracted to people of the same gender, different genders, multiple genders, and both gender and sexual identities are aspects of a person's core identity. These aspects of a person don't need to be pathologized. <laughs> and I'm probably preaching to the choir, but like mistaking someone's gender or sexual identity as identity disturbance, this happens because of so societal biases. This gets mistaken as identity disturbance because of prejudice. This happens because of limited knowledge about diverse identities. People who are not familiar with or accepting of different identities or sexual orientations may view these identities as abnormal or unstable. And this is what leads to misconceptions and assumptions. For me, I am non-binary. That's my gender identity. What does it generally mean to be non-binary. Being non-binary means identifying as a gender that's not exclusively man or woman. Non-binary people might identify as both or neither or as a gender that's completely separate from the binary system, right? Honestly, there's not a right or wrong way to be non-binary. This concept that you have to be, for example, like androgynous to be non-binary, to be valid as non-binary, that's, that's, that's a lie. That's not true. My experience and how I connect with being non-binary is individual to me. And there isn't a singular way to be non-binary. And that's the beauty of it really, is how infinite and borderless it is. Non-binary identities can vary widely and some common non-binary identities include things like genderqueer, genderfluid, agender, that means no gender, bigender, that means you identify with two genders. Some non-binary individuals may also use specific labels like demigender, which can describe a partial identification with a particular gender, or gender flux, you know, that can describe a fluctuation in one's gender identity over time. I thought that micro labels were helpful for me when figuring my shit out. Cause like I said before, I can have trouble with very abstract concepts and finding the words to name what I'm feeling 
is super helpful to me. And on the flip side, when it comes to my sexual orientation, I have found micro-labels to be less helpful, and therefore I just use the word queer. And this is the beauty of gender and sexual identity, how individual it is, and how no one else is going to experience it the way you do. Right? Isn't that fucking cool? I think it is. Here's the big question, though. Am I just queer and questioning my gender because of my identity disturbance? Short answer, no. My queerness has always been there. It's harmful to lump gender and sexual identity in with the concept of identity disturbance in BPD because it can perpetuate stigma and, un and misunderstandings about the experience of people who identify as LGBTQ+, and who also have BPD. Associating gender and sexual identity with identity disturbance implies that being queer is inherently pathological, or part of this condition, part of BPD. And this is not supported by current research or understanding of gender and sexual diversity. This can also lead to a lack of recognition and support for the experiences and needs of queer individuals with BPD. Gender and sexual identity are distinct aspects of a person's experience. We need to recognize and respect the individuality and the complexity of that. We need to acknowledge that identity disturbance in BPD is a symptom of the disorder that affects a person's sense of self, while gender and sexual identity are fundamental aspects of a person's identity that are always there. We don't wake up one day and we change these things about ourselves. We don't choose this aspect of our identity. No one, no one wakes up and chooses and decides, I'm going to choose to be a part of and identify as something that has been historically, systemically oppressed and subjected to violence. No, no one chooses this. And this is what I mean. These are th things that are always there. They are not unstable qualities. I woke up during a healing journey and I realized that this is what I've been the whole time. I unpacked myself. I unraveled the parts of myself that society told me that I should be, and has made me feel like I had to be, and I'm accepting that this is truly who I am. I did not wake up one day and decide that I was non-binary, and I did not wake up and decide one day that I was queer. I got to a point where I was ready to think really hard about how true to myself I was being, and I realized that I was not, and that there were lots of people out there with the same experiences as me, and that there was a name for that. There are words for that experience. And those words for me are queer and non-binary. In fact, identity disturbance had me conforming to what society kept telling me I should be. You can look at my old content and you can see how I used to present, how I used to identify, how I used to think that my gender was. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I look back at her with a lot of fondness. I miss her sometimes. I really do. 
it was easier for her to fit in and to find belonging when she looked like that and conformed. My lack of a sense of self meant that it was easier for me to do what everyone else was doing and to date who society kept telling me who I should date. And when I distanced myself from that frame of reference, when I stopped contorting to fit into a twisted frame of heteronormativity, I realized I was queer. And I realized I was non-binary. I hated myself for the longest time because I often wondered why, no matter how hard I tried to look like other girls and other women, I still felt like a fish out of water. And I was just cosplaying as one of them to be able to make friends and find relationships. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed. I also am never going to judge people for not having the same gender or sexual identity as me. But that's, that's my journey. That's who I am. And figuring these things out about myself has really helped me solidify my sense of self. I wanted to share my journey to point out that gender and sexual identity have nothing to do with my BPD and, and that's how I know. And if you have BPD and you have questioned your gender and your sexual identity before or you are questioning it, it's okay to not even have it figured out right now. It, I did not figure it out overnight. I didn't just sit in my room and be like, well, I, I'm non-binary. Um, Google says, you know, it, it took me a long time. It took me months and months and a lot of looking back in retrospect, doing the whole like finding myself journey. Part of your healing journey is discovering yourself, not just healing from trauma, but like discovering yourself as well. And it can all happen at the same time. If, if people have ever told you, well, it's just a phase because you have BPD, whomever has said that to anyone, or if someone has said that to you, they can honestly go, I wanted to point out that queer identity itself does not contribute to identity disturbance. However, people with BPD in the LGBTQ community can often face challenges in understanding and expressing their queer identity due to the underlying difficulties we experience in establishing a stable sense of self. And these can intersect with their overall struggles in identity formation and self-acceptance. You can wake up one day and begin to uncover your queerness, the part of you that was always there. It was always there. But people don't wake up one day and decide to be queer. They just don't. And I just wanted to tell you this if you needed to hear it. I just wanted to tell you that despite this condition that you struggle with, your queerness is valid in whatever way you experience it. And there's a lot of beauty in it. Queer joy is real. And if you don't feel like you're experiencing it right now, it's okay. I just want you to know that it exists and you will uncover it. It'll come.
And if someone has ever told you that it's just a phase, please don't listen. Please don't. They, they don't matter. What I'm telling you right now matters. It's not a phase. And I see you. I see you. You are a vastly complex human being with hopes and dreams that if you haven't uncovered them, you will. And uncovering yourself, getting to know yourself, is an adventure. Like, it has a lot of ups and downs. It's not smooth. Getting to know myself had a lot of moments of, who the fuck am I? What do I want? What if I don't want this anymore? What if I want this instead, but I'm scared to want it? What should I do? I don't like myself right now. I don't like the things that I have done or the ways I've acted in the past. I feel embarrassed. Oh, I forgive myself now though. Like I'm not like that anymore. It's a lot of ups and downs like this. What if I'm deluded? What if this part of me is the problem? You know, what if I'm not? What if, what if, what if, you know? Knowing yourself is not a straight line at all. And that's okay. And just because some days are hard and you feel like everything you know about yourself is wrong, it doesn't mean that it is wrong. You just feel like that and it feels overwhelming and it doesn't mean that you're starting over on this self-discovery path. I promise. I promise. In the next episode, we're going to get to talk to Bianca. And she's a therapist who is dedicated to changing the narrative about our big emotions and challenging the stigma that we often face from mental health professionals about this condition and about having big feelings. I'm really looking forward to it. I'll see you next time. And by the way, I've included some highlights of this month's episode of The Quiet Files for you. For Pride Month, I wanted to shed some more light on my own journey with my identity and include a voice note I recorded back in 2021. So stick around for a bit longer to hear it. Quiet, not silent. We create a perfect world in our heads. As a matter of fact, I knew there was something in his past. I never know anything of The moment you become something that someone else wants you to be in order to belong, in order to fit in, you don't belong anywhere anymore. You've abandoned yourself. Brene Brown said that. So, in the main feed, I talked about what it can look like to struggle with identity disturbance. Um, so I won't go over it again here. I wanted to chat with you here about my own experiences uncovering my queerness. 
and what that was like for me and how the pressure to have it all figured out in a way that I could present it to the world to come out essentially really fucked with my progress. I felt like I had to commit to a specific thing and have it all figured out before being able to share this part of me and this experience. I say the word uncovering rather than discovering my queerness because I've said it before, it has always been there and I was just minimizing this aspect of myself in order to fit in. I was hiding it. I just kind of ignored it, buried it in the ground, and I was actually scared to pick it up and really look at it and see myself in it. And I don't blame myself for doing this. I don't shame myself. I forgive myself. Into a beautiful queer flower of self-acceptance and queer joy. And I don't need to be picked and put on display for others to admire. That's all. I'm not coming out. I am uncovering myself. I am blooming. And I will let those in my inner circle in for a little, like, fireside chat. That's pretty much what we're doing, right? So that I can be my authentic self with them and have them understand, like, hey, I'm queer. This is me. Just so you know, like, this is my experience and, and that's who I am. The more I could see I was being perceived as a girl, the more uncomfortable I got with this. There were moments where I wished I could have deleted the video. I wished I could have deleted myself. That uncomfortable feeling in the pit of my stomach had come back. And then the voice became louder. Remember when you hated being called a girl? I know that my, my BPD just gives me a really unstable sense of self. You know, like it's, I, I feel like I've, I'm constantly recreating myself over the years and every time I recreate myself I look back on my old self or my old selves and 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 I just feel like that's a different person like a completely different person like like almost a different life and I've just had so many past lives in one lifetime but this fucking show man like there was one part where the main character, May, they they broke up, <sighs> their, their girlfriend broke up with them. And everything they were saying and every way that they were reacting, I just felt like it was me. I, I felt like I was watching myself. And, and at one point, May said that they didn't feel like a, a boy and they didn't feel like a girl either. They felt like they were a failed version of both. Like a failed attempt at both. That shit is what I've been thinking my entire life. I'm trying not to get emotional, but I've, of course I'm just, by default, I'm just emotional. So those were some highlights of this month's Patreon exclusive feed. I really like getting more vulnerable in the quiet files. And there's such a nice little group of us now, and I love being able to make helpful journal-like content as well. 
So thank you so much to all of my new patrons. And if you're thinking about joining, come on over. I would love to share some stuff with you as well. So, cheers. Thanks for listening. Quiet, not silent. We can create a perfect world in our heads. Theoretically possible.